Church, if you all would, go ahead and turn to Leviticus uh, 2 with me this morning. If you all have your scripture journals, uh, you can use those. Our scripture journal is our gift to you. It's got scripture on one side and a blank page on the other for you to be able to take notes, uh, write down any questions that you have, and you can submit those questions to newhilloh.com forward slash ask to get a response, a biblical response to those questions. And there's plenty of questions we could be asking, uh, looking at Leviticus. First off, why we are going through Leviticus? Why are we preaching um, an expository series going through Leviticus verse by verse all the way through? And church, uh, just to, to a basic recap on the reasons last week is just um, for the first century Jews that was just understood in the New Testament and Paul's epistles, that there was no explanation given to what they were saying or why they were saying it because it was just understood. So for us today to be able to get a better grasp on what was going on and even the context of our freedom in Christ Jesus, what Jesus really accomplished on our behalf and fulfilled on our behalf, we've got to turn to the Old Testament, particularly here in Leviticus, which is God called, right? God is calling Moses. It's, it's the title of this book um, because God is wanting to redeem his people for his people to draw back into his presence and to be in his presence where he is. And that can't happen because like last week we talked about, God's holiness is so out of this world that we cannot be in his presence because of our sin. Amen. Amen. We have to understand that first and foremost before we even continue on. If you go back and you listen to last week's message, that would be great. Um, but we have to start with God's holiness, just how holy God is, that he is not sinful. He is not like us. He created us. And then because of our sin and our nature, we were separated and now live in a sinful, fallen world. And all of the Old Testament was pointing to the coming of Jesus, and the coming of Jesus was so that his people may be redeemed back into fellowship, into communion with him. So last week we talked about burnt offerings. We're going to turn here. I'm going to read all of chapter 2 in its entirety. It says, when anyone Bibles, we come to the grain offering. It says here in verse 1, it says, when anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. And he shall take from it a handful of the fine flour and oil and all of its frankincense. And the priest shall burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. When you bring a grain offering baked in the oven as an offering, it shall be unleavened loaves of fine flour mixed with oil or unleavened wafers smeared with oil. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. And if your offering is a grain offering cooked in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And you shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord. And when it is presented to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take from the grain offering its memorial portion and burn, it, uh, burn this on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is the most holy part of the Lord's 
food offering. Shall burn no leaven, nor offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven. For you shall burn no leaven, nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for, for a pleasing aroma. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering to the Lord, uh, for the grain offering, sorry, of your first fruits, fresh ears, roasted with fire, crushed new grain, and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. And the priest shall burn as its memorial proportion, portion some of the crushed grain and some of the oil with all of its frankincense. It is a food offering to the Lord. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let us be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. God, we pray for understanding, wisdom, discernment, Lord, and most of all, humility. Um, a lot of us, myself included, we come to books like Leviticus and just feel like we don't need it. We understand that we've been set free in Christ. Christ has fulfilled it all. But Lord, I pray that you would remind us that it is applicable today. Uh, it helps us gain a greater understanding of what Christ really accomplished. And Lord, it calls us into a place of, of sincere, worldly, and acceptable to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, uh, which is holy and acceptable to you. It's our spiritual worship, as Paul says, to the church in Rome. And God, I pray that we would be reminded of that. I pray that we would be reminded that we ought to, we, we have to give something up. Uh, for you gave your son up so that we may have life. But as a result of the new life that we have, may we give up all that we have and follow you faithfully. May we show the world uh, that you've made us new and we are living a new life each and every day. God, lead us, sanctify us. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Church, I, I have to um, reiterate, I kind of hit on it last week. Uh, there's no way, uh, pretty much going chapter by chapter each and every week, that we're going to exhaust this text. Um, we're not going to bring out all that there is. There's plenty of, of details. Uh, so if you do have questions, you're like, man, I really just want to know more. Make sure you shoot those messages um, in, those questions in to me, uh, that uh, URL I mentioned earlier. Because uh, there's a lot here. Uh, but our goal here in Leviticus is to gain a greater understanding of the law which Christ fulfilled. And what that should do, the result of that should lead us into a proper place of praise and adoration for our, our Savior. Um, and awe and reverence um, of God the Father, um, but a place of praise and adoration for the Son, right? That we see the Father's eternal plan, right, to redeem his people, uh, that, that he's had a plan to, to bring his people. Redemption is himself by sending his Son out to them to redeem them, right? But that redemption is from something. It's from his, his wrath. And his wrath is just, and it follows those who do not repent, and so those who repent, we need to understand exactly what we've been saved from because Christ has saved us indeed. Amen, church? Amen. If you've repented of your sins, that means to turn away from them and believed in the Lord as your Savior, then you are saved. The Bible is very clear on that. There's no offering you can give. There's no sacrifice you can make that could atone for your sins. Even when you look at the book of Hebrews... 
and you see that uh, the author, who is unnamed uh, for pretty obvious reasons, um, not wanting to be persecuted, uh, but get this word out that no sacrifice, no lamb ever atoned for the sins of the people. And we see in the Psalms, right, and we see in in, uh, Samuel uh, over and over again that it was always about the heart that they had when they were making these sacrifices and these offerings. So before I get into the points, I just want to ask where your heart is this morning. Did you get up this morning to praise and worship our Savior as we came to gather in this space at uh, 580 North State Road? Or did you come out of obligation uh, to save face with your fellow brothers and sisters um, or to praise your Savior who saved you? Right? And, and that's the thing, is, is our heart has to be political movement with undertones of Christ, but rather our overtones and proclamation of Christ as king of all creation. So that's what he's after. And we come here to this, <clears throat> excuse me, this chapter of, of sacrifice, chapter 2. So our three points are on sacrifice, and it's that sacrifice gives, sacrifice removes, and sacrifice stings. Sacrifice gives removes and stings, point number one, sacrifice gives. Sacrifice gives. Consider the sacrifice of Christ on the cross when the Father handed over his Son to be sacrificed in your place. It's a sacrifice. And sacrifice, it should not be taken for granted. And we can't miss this point with sacrifice. We, we tend to forget what a sacrifice entails, and it's this giving up of something. And when you give up of something, you're giving away from yourself but to another person, right? If you uh, have a friend who's in need of a car and you give up your car, you're not only giving it away that way you don't have it anymore, but you're giving it to a need of someone else. So that's what the sacrifice of, of grain offerings is for. This is not... Um, an offering of atonement, but rather an offering um, of gratitude and worship to God. So you're going to run into a lot of um, atoning sacrifices and offerings uh, here in Leviticus. But you have one here, the grain offering. Just remember, G, grain, gratitude, G, right? Gratitude comes from the grain offering, that they were giving up this grain, and it was a sacrifice to God and one that gives to others. And it's because they understand that God has given to them. Church, it's important to understand that with any offering, uh, God does not need it. Uh, There's a a good book, um, My Cup Runneth Over. And if you all check that book out, um, I think we have it in in the office. You can can look at it. And I thought it was going to be on offerings and tithes. And really his whole point was that our offering is not... Um, a, a thing that God needs. When you give in that giving box, do you think that God needs that offering or do you understand that God is receiving that as your spiritual worship and he's using it to bless his creation through his people? That's the thing. God doesn't need the money, right? He is the king of all creations. If he needed anything, and he doesn't, he'd just make it, right? That'd be great. Like when we need things, it'd be awesome if we knew how to make more money. Maybe some of you all know how to print more money. Um, we need to have another talk, but you can't, we can't just do those kind of things as, as humans. But it's like because we can't, we think that God can't, and that God needs the things that we have, but God desires what we have because he desires our heart. And that when we give, he understands, as that offering is burned, 
it says that that's a pleasing aroma to God because he knows the heart's intent behind that fragrant offering. He did his glory. Remember, we need to understand that all things that we have come from God and it will change our worship. Consider James 1.17 should be on the screen. Every good and perfect uh, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Uh, this was the very first sermon I heard uh, my father-in-law preach uh, when I started going to his church back in West Virginia. After uh, his beautiful daughter, my now wife, invited me to, to church. And I remember sitting there, and Aubrey was trying to talk. I've shared this story, and I'm like listening to the passage, passage and I'm like, shh, shh, shh. You're going to get me in trouble. I don't know your dad yet. And I remember him reading this, this verse, and I'm like, you are my good and perfect gift from above, right? And it put everything into perspective. And, and Aubrey wasn't just a good and perfect gift, but what it did was it reminded me that through my parents' divorce, uh, how God had shown his grace to me and covering me and looking out for me, his covenant people, uh, during that time to display his glory and to shelter his people from what was going on around me, right? And I understood that when I heard this word preached to me that day, that every good and perfect gift is from above. So consider your job, which is provided to you fin uh, financial um, prosperity, right? Some of you are like, my job ain't done that. And it's like, yeah, it, it has. It, you have money in your bank that you wouldn't have if it wasn't for that job. But most importantly, church, you have a job that you want. Got to have that money to be able to buy the things that you need and also the things that you want. God has given you wisdom and discernment to understand how you ought to budget with that money, to use it according to uh, his will and, and his purpose for your good and for his glory. And it's when you begin to really grasp this passage, church, in your heart, when we do this in our heart, understand what it means that every good and every perfect gift is from above, that our motivation for worship will be sanctified in truth and inclined to generosity even when it hurts. You see, so we're going to get into this, and I'll, I'll reiterate it, but you talk about flour. It talks about the flour, but it says the fine flour, the good one, the expensive, right? This was the offering that they were to bring to the Lord, and not only that, not only are they bringing fine flour, but the sacrifice, they're, they're giving up something that's expensive. It kind of stings a little bit. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit, the sacrifice. But it's giving to the priest also. This was something that they benefited from for their work there in the tent of meeting. And this is how God was providing for these priests as they were doing the Lord's work and others were doing the daily work, right? The, the vocations outside of the church. Oh, Pastor, I, I knew I shouldn't have come to church today. He's going to talk about taking care of him and his family. I'm, to care for his people. And not just the church, right? You, you consider the offerings that they took up. The food. They had food pantries in the New Testament. Why? So that the people of the household of God would have food on their table. So church, we don't have a pantry, but how are we using that which God has given us for all that we have, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Since he's given us all that we've had, 
all that we have, how are we using that as a sacrifice to give back to others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to meet their needs and to glorify our Savior? That's what this grain offering was about. Gratitude to God for who he is. Taking this fine flour and pouring oil on it, put frankincense on it, and bring it to Aaron, the sons, uh, his, uh, his sons, the priests, and they would take it. And they would burn it as a memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to God. Church, your sacrifice with the right heart is pleasing to God. Know that you are giving not to God, but as you are giving to God, he is using that to give to others and to care for his creation and to call people to himself. Church, in your generosity, the gospel is proclaimed. For just as you are generous, church, because Christ was generous to you. See, that changes our entire motivation behind our giving is because God has given to us, not just because there's a necessity of that God just needs this, but we give because God has given to us, not just finances, right, or financial prosperity, uh, which maybe he has. No matter what, you've been given a job, you got some money. We give because God has given us his son so that we may not have money, but we would have eternal life. Sacrifice also removes. This is my, my favorite point so, of, of this, because I was reading um, on grain and leaven and, and yeast, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Point number two, I don't know if I've said that. I'm just getting so excited about this part. I've been talking about it since I listened to Leviticus like years ago, um, is that sacrifice removes. There has to be some kind of removal of something um, in, in the place of sacrifice. So on your behalf, Christ removed your sin. He took it on. It was, it was imputed to him. And at the moment of his death and your faith, his righteousness was imputed to you. Right, So that when the Father looks at you, he knows your sin, but he sees not your sin. He sees the righteousness of his Son. Because the sacrifice that Jesus made removed the sin from your life in the eyes of the Father and imputed the righteousness of Christ. So that's the good news. And we come here to this leaven, that the offering uh, should not have leaven. How many of you all have ever wondered like, why unleavened bread mattered but never really asked? I'll say it. Amen. Start asking these questions. I didn't know. I was listening to Leviticus, someone preaching it, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. That changes everything for me. Now when I take communion, I understand what's terrible, and it was unleavened and better. But there's purpose behind that. Who said the crackers are delicious? Josh. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I need to read 1 Corinthians to you. I'm glad someone likes them. I like, I like the symbolism of the sacrifice. So it removes. So let's dive in. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says this. Has the, Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. We're getting into this point of sacrifice, church, and, and your reason for being here this morning is the question at hand before we dove in uh, to this message and into the word of God. And what Samuel is saying here is that the obedience behind the sacrifice is far greater of significance than the sacrifice itself. So you being here is only part of it. But if you're not here in an obedient way to worship the Lord, but rather a, a motion 
a, a checkbox for your uh, good Christianity like list for the week, then it's, it's in vain. If I came here out of, out of due diligence because I receive a salary from the church to come and to lead and pastor and shepherd the flock, then it will be in vain. And only then can I, so that the word just use this time to correct my sinfulness, so that the word may be proclaimed faithfully. Church, we don't gather out of due diligence and out of obligation, but rather a place of reverence for God, remembering the sacrifice which removed our sin so that we may be a sacrifice seeking to remove our daily sin. See, Christ has removed it eternally. You have eternal life because of the sacrifice of Christ removing that guilt. But now you're, as a believer, dealing with the, the waging war to cause you to stumble so that others don't see the righteousness of Christ in you, but the unrighteousness of man through you. Samuel makes it very clear that if our sacrifice is an act and not an action, it is in vain. Sacrifice is to remove. It's removing something. Leaven is yeast, right? It represents, it symbolizes this process of decay, of death, of corruption. What does sin bring about? Death, decay, corruption, all of these things. So then you consider Paul's words uh, to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8. He says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So you see here that, church, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It doesn't take a lot to get this process started. Little leaven leavens the whole lump. So that little bit of sin, that little itty-bitty lie that you told, has ruined and decayed your body apart from Christ. That's why we understand the, the doctrine of the total depravity of man is that you may not be as bad as you can be, as bad as those people. I love true crime, and I like watch it, and I'm like, I'm not like them. Praise be the Lord. right? But I'm reminded by the holy word of God that I'm as bad off as them without the Lord in my life. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You're a believer and you're like, ah, okay, cool, Jesus has given me life, but there's got to be the removal of sin in your life. Paul says, should we continue the sin that grace may abound? By no means. How do we do that? You've got to remove. That's the sacrifice. Sacrifice to the Lord and remove that sin from your life. So what is the fix to this? that little detail of salt. If you all have ever experienced the process of, of yeast, right, or leavened bread, and you've put a little leaven in, if you need to stop that process of decay, you know what you use? Just a little bit of salt. A little bit of salt. And sin is corrupting and decaying this world actively. As we speak, there's sin going on. Sin may be in your hearts. And the one thing that we are called to do, church, to this world to be, is you are the salt, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. 
You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do the people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, the very thing we're called to be in this world is salt. That means that as you go, you're not defeating sin, but you're pushing back sin, being the salt and proclaiming the holy word of God to all of God's creation. And this was like so good for me to, to, to see and to read, and it reminded me, church, this, this very chapter reminded me alone of the uh, deeply significant, uh, deep significance, sorry, of, of Leviticus, of all of God's word. Oh, all of us should know that. Yeah, but we forget. We forget how important Leviticus is. We forget how important all of God's word is, especially these difficult, hard-to-understand offerings, why they were going on in the first place. And you look and you see over and over, it, it says, No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey, right, as a food offering, as an offering of first fruits. You may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar. You can bring them, but not as the offering. Offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma. But it says you shall season all your grain offerings. So church, when we take communion, there's that significance of the unleavened bread. That means uncorrupt. Sin has been removed from it. And the salt is the purpose behind that removal. And we remember that. So the application here behind this point before we dive into the final point is are you removing sin from your life and how are you doing so? Are you confessing your sins to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Church, sin is, is not something to be played with. Again, consider God's holiness. Consider how we ended up in this situation. And we could sit here and we could blame Adam and Eve. But church, we inherited that nature uh, by sin uh, or, or by birth, right? By our nature, it was passed down. But church, we actively participate in it also. Yes. Look at the children. Sometimes I, I hear some people come to me like, man, the kids are loud today. I'm like, Satan's working, right? It's like, you all were distracted from the message. I don't hear them. God, God is protecting me up here. I never hear the kiddos, even babies in here when they cry. It doesn't bother me. never gets me. But sometimes I realize the distraction's real and the nature removing the sin from our but how are we removing the sin from our life? How are we actively seeking to remove it? See, Christ has removed the guilt and the shame, has given you life. But you now, with the spirit inside of you, have to actively defeat it and overcome it every day. And you can only do it by recognition of the spirit inside of you. Pray for wisdom, discernment, and turn to your church family for help. Point number three, sacrifice stings. Sacrifice stings. Consider the, the fine flour uh, as one of those, those stingings, right? It's not just flour. I, go to, I went to Giant Eagle. Aubrey told me to get some salt and pepper. And I looked, and there was like the Giant Eagle brand. It was like $3.99 for salt. Ah, found like one for like $3 and I was like cool and then I found a McCormick value pack for like $1.50 and I'm like get the cheapest one yes 
right? Like, and it's like all in the savings for me, right? Like I'm all about saving. But what we see here is there's a sacrifice. And what it would cause them to do is, is realize what exactly is being sacrificed to God, that God doesn't deserve our last fruits, but church, our first fruits. Verse 14. Look at this with me. If you offer a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your church. That shouldn't be overlooked. It's the first fruits. So, I mean, we could jump back. Finance, financials are the easiest thing to, to hit. Um, how many of you all can't stand budgeting, right? Oh, okay. Everybody here likes budgeting. No one wants to admit that. Like, you're all like, ah. I can't raise my hand because I'm too tired of clicking on my computer from budgeting. Budgeting is terrible. But when it comes to budgeting, church, let me ask you a real honest question. When you budget and you write down like that, I make X amount per month, is the first thing you take out of that your offering to God? I'm not even talking about the amount. I'm talking about since that is a sacrifice and offering, one we're all too familiar with, and that's good. We should be. Is tithe and offering the first thing to come out? Or is it the very last one when we realize what the uh, excess is and we say, well, out of that, I'm willing to give this. We say, no, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to pray this amount in my heart. I'm going to start here, and I pray I'm praying that that number would continue to go up and to go up and go up for our good and for the glory of God. Church, sacrifice stings. I mean, consider the sacrifice of Christ. He's in the garden. What does he say? If this cup could pass for me, let it pass. But humbly, most humbly, he says, but not my will, but your will be done, Father. Sacrifice, a sacrifice. The cross is like, oh, this is easy. No, it was... A sacrifice, one of pain and one of eternal significance. So much more so than if we're going to give a little bit more time, money, or effort this week. Church, remember the sacrifice of Christ and it will change your heart here. Remind you that when that offering does sting, when that sacrifice does sting, you would remember what Christ did on your behalf and think, man, I'm united to Christ in this giving up of something and it stings, but praise be to God that in that stinging, you remember your Savior. Giving of your first fruits. We don't talk enough about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to, to actually take up your cross daily, what it means to, to, to forsake your family. Right? We joked it on Mother's Day, but here we are talking about sacrifice on Father's Day talking about if he doesn't hate his own mother and father, he cannot be my disciple. Like, that'd be a wicked one to hit on, on one of these uh, beautiful Mother's Day or Father's Days, right? But there's significance there. And the significance, church, is that if we aren't willing to leave everything to follow him, then maybe we aren't following him, we're following something, but not him. I want to end here, and, and Ben, when I uh, wrap up this verse, you all, uh, if you could come back up, that'd be great, but I want to read this real quick. Luke 18, Cool. I thought I didn't get it in. It's a little lengthy, but to inherit me. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. 
Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. The man replies to Jesus, I've done it all. I've done all of this. And Jesus, when he heard this, said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more and many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. I'm not telling you to abandon your family. Neither was Jesus. This is a heart issue. That if our hearts are not actually inclined to God, it will be shown through our sacrifice and our attitude of sacrifice. Church, if you better off not, like, just cannot stand, you despise the moment when you walk to give, don't give. You'd be better off not giving than to give with an angry heart. All of this sacrifice is pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus. And church, our sacrifice will never be done with a right heart if we do not have Christ the center of our life. If we do not understand the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, all of our sacrifice will be in vain. And to those who have Jesus in their heart, you've repented of your sins, you've believed in the gospel, then you understand that sacrifice gives. It's giving up, but it's giving to, right? You understand that your sacrifice is not giving God something he needs, but rather something that he wants, your heart inclined to him. Sacrifice also removes. We cannot be a giving people if we're not a removing people. Remove sin from your life. Remove sin. Call sin out of your brothers and sisters in Christ's life. Sin cannot dwell where holiness exists. It cannot. It should not. And one day he's coming back and there will be no sin in his presence. But remember, it stings. It's not going to be easy. Church, when your sacrifice hurts, you're doing something right. Whatever it might be. And I'm not just talking about the check. I'm talking about all of your life. I'm talking about when your husband getting frustrated with your wife and you want to call it quits and you don't and you press on. It's hit its, its high, right? Like you're done. Your threshold's been met with your children and you don't know what else to do. You're like, I'm going to lose my mind. And you don't. And you show grace. You exhibit patience, the same patience that Christ exhibited to us. And is God glorifying. That's the sacrifice that exalts the name of Jesus to all of creation. That they see that in your life and they glorify God. I gave you credit when you weren't here with your kids too. And it just means so much when we can look at brothers and sisters who... Uh, exemplify those things in their life. And, and church, you can look at all of your brothers and sisters. And let me say something. You can see a lot of good in them. Don't just beat the bad out of them, but speak the good into them. Compliment the good things that you see in them. 
And as you do that, as grace is abounding in their life and, and they're being encouraged in the good that they're doing, the bad will fade out as we call it out and we also compliment that which is good and praise God for putting it in them. If you've not ever repented of your sins and believed in Jesus, today's the day. Turn away from your sin. Look to God and say, thank you for dying for me. I surrender my life to you. Breathe new life in my lungs and let me live for you fully. Church, go ahead and stand. If you have questions about what it means to be saved, you've got questions just about the Bible, come see me after service. I'd love to talk to you about uh, God and his word and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But church, this week, let us remember the sacrifice of Christ before we make any sacrifices ourselves. And as we remember that sacrifice, may he be exalted through our word and through our deed. To him be the glory alone. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning that we've had together with one another and your presence. God, I pray that you would just receive the glory. God, we thank you so much for uh, these men uh, of the church. Lord, and I pray that you would not raise them to just be these, these masculine men of the world, but God, biblical men according to your word. God, may we, may we see a generation of men raised up who love you and delight in your word and are calling the next generation to holiness. God, thank you for all of the women of this church for showing us grace. Thank you for giving us this church family as a whole that we all are members of it, parts that others are not, but together we make up the whole body you as the head, God. We pray for you and your vision and your wisdom, your discernment in our lives and in the life of our church collectively. God, may you be glorified as we go out and are going that people would see the sacrifice that you've made and may that sacrifice be evident by the sacrifice we make to others also. God, may we remember that sacrifice is giving. I pray earnestly for point number two that sacrifice would be removing. God, that we would see that things need to be removed from our lives. God, you know what those are, but would you make that clear to us? Life, to you be the glory. God, and as it stings, may we praise. God, be with us this week. Lead us, direct us. Let us be the hands and feet and salt of the earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us sing.